Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Broadcasting to the four corners of the conservative universe, it's the Matlock Show. He loves all things conservative politics, and if there's a microphone nearby, you can bet he'll be the one beating the left over the head with it. And now, a true original, the common sense conservative, here's your host, Matlock. All right, all right, all right. Let's get this Friday started. I'm going to turn this. I'll tell you, I had someone yesterday tell me that my audio was low. And I'm surprised because I'm the loudest mouth in the South. We're making radio great again. Welcome into the Matlock Show. I'm your host, Matlock. Boy, it's Friday. I love Fridays. Getting ready for the weekend. Hope you are too. Uh, I've got some big news hitting today. I am the newest Verve forever ambassador if you head over to facebook and follow the cartel matt or the matlock show you'll see that i am the newest the latest the greatest ambassador of verve forever that is cbd oil they have a line for you they have a veteran line they have an animal pet line and if you use verve 20 Verve 20, V-E-R-V-E 20, you're going to receive 20% off all that CBD oil creams. There's all kinds of products over there. Go check it out. I'll get the link up over at thematlockshow.com. That's L-O-C-K-E, thematlockshow.com. I'll have that link put up there sometime today or Monday so that you can go directly to my website in order from verveforever.com, a great sponsor of the Matlock Show. Use Verve 20, V-E-R-V-E. And if you order over $100, you're going to get free shipping. Head over to verveforever.com. All right, lots and lots of things to do on a Friday. We are going to hop around because there's a lot of stuff that I wanted to talk about during the week that I just couldn't get to. But what I want to start with first Donald Trump, President Trump, had a rally in New Hampshire, and, and I, I giggle because yesterday on Drudge, the headline was "Packed House for Elizabeth Warren," and I'm like, "What? She she had a packed house? People actually showed up? I mean, they can barely fill a gymnasium, let alone a packed house." So it piqued my curiosity. So I went over and I clicked on the Drudge Report link and I looked at it and they said that Elizabeth Warren had 700 people. Man, are the Dems in trouble or what? When you're pushing the fact that a packed house is 700 people, there's something going on. But maybe that's good for the Democrat Party, right? Maybe that's good for them. I'll tell you what's not good for them. One president, Donald Trump, he went to New Hampshire last night to a packed crowd of tens of thousands. I mean, it's amazing. I watched it last night. I don't know if you did, but here are some of the highlights. Is there anything better than a Trump rally? What about a sleepy Joe Biden rally? Right? Boy, he's made some beauties. I sort of hope it's him. I don't mind any of them. You got Pocahontas is rising. You got Kamala. Kamala is falling. You got Beto. Beto is like gone. But we'll see what happens. Whoever, you know, whoever it is, I don't know that it matters, but whoever it is, different, different people. 
But I don't know. I think Sleepy Joe may be able to limp across the finish line. But today they announced that they're going to cut way back on his appearances because he is such a disaster. They're going to have fewer appearances. You've heard that, right? This is serious. They're going to cut way back on his appearances. Can you believe it? If I ever did that, it would be over. The fake news would get us, but we don't let them get us, and it is fake. And today, the deputy editor of the New York Times was demoted. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? All the news that's not fit to print, you know? All the news, the fake, failing New York Times. And you can't really go by my election. You got to go by November 9th, because, you know, the markets have gone through the roof since November 9th. That's the day after I won the election. So I won the election. The markets went up thousands of points. Things started happening. You started doing things that you would have never, even though I didn't get sworn in until January 20th. But they refused to do that. And let me tell you, if for some reason I wouldn't have won the election, these markets would have crashed. And that'll happen even more so in 2020. See, the bottom line is, I know you like me, and this room is a love fest, I know that. But you have no choice but to vote for me because your 401ks, down the tubes, everything's going to be down the tubes. So whether you love me or hate me, you got to vote for me. Together, we're restoring this nation's industrial might. And we are doing it with American iron, American aluminum, and American steel. We're doing steel. Steel industry is hot. The steel, they were dumping steel all over. They were destroying our companies. U.S. Steel now, all of them, they're all expanding. The steel industry is back. It's doing great. We're opening up mines in Minnesota, the great state of Minnesota. They have magnificent mines that have the best iron ore in the world. And President Obama closed them down. Maybe we can get Representative Omar from Minnesota to open up, but I don't think so. She'll open them up. I don't think so. Representative Omar, that's another one. And you've been reading about this a lot lately. We are working very hard to make sure we keep guns out of the hands of insane people and those who are mentally sick and shouldn't have guns. But people have to remember, however, that there is a mental illness problem that has to be dealt with. It's not the gun that pulls the trigger. It's the person holding the gun. Years ago, many cities and states, I remember it so well, closed mental institutions for budgetary reasons. They let those people out onto the street. You probably have your examples up here. I can tell you, in New York, they closed so many of them. And they let really seriously mentally ill people out on the streets. And you see plenty of them today, even today. We're going to have to give major consideration to building new facilities for those in need. We have to do it. And at the same time, we will be taking mentally deranged and dangerous people off of the streets, so we won't have to worry so much about that. A big problem.
We don't have those institutions anymore. And people can't get proper care. They're seriously ill people, and they're on the streets. We can't make it harder for good, solid, law-abiding citizens to protect themselves. We will always uphold the right to self-defense, and we will always uphold the Second Amendment. We will. We're investing in the future of human spaceflight, and someday soon, American astronauts will plant the stars and stripes on the surface of Mars. And I told my guys at NASA, you know, NASA, when we took it over, it was exhausted. The runways and the grounds had all weeds growing through the cracks in the concrete. You wouldn't recognize it now. It's beautiful. It's the best place anywhere on Earth. And I also said, though, you know, I hear all these rich guys, for some reason, they love space. So they're rich. I said, let them send the rockets up. What the hell do we have to do it, right? So I see Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. They're putting rockets up. I think it's great. And they pay us rent. They use our facility. That's good. But we're also doing it. And NASA, has some of the greatest plans we've ever had. These are great people, great scientists. But we also let the private sector put up rockets. The one which recently went up, and you see the engines coming back down, and they're coming. There's no wings, no nothing. It's almost like, what are we watching? Is this fiction? And they come down, and they save all of the propellants, all of the, the really the most expensive parts, they're able to save it by bringing it back right to where it took off. Who would think they could do this? I never saw this before six months ago, but they're doing it now more and more. They're saving a lot of the most important and expensive parts of rockets. So we have a lot of rich guys paying us a lot of rent, but we're also doing it ourselves. There you go. I mean, there are the highlights of the New Hampshire rally from Donald Trump yesterday. And I have to tell you, I mean, first of all, he's in New Hampshire. That is not, let's just, let's just talk about this for a second. That is not a Republican stronghold. That is not somewhere where you would think that, you know, conservatism and self-responsibility and, and, and constitutionalism thrives. This is right in the backyard of one Bernie Sanders, and he has a packed stadium, and I'm looking at this, and all you see is Make America Great Again hats. And think about what Trump is saying there. Think about it. I mean, he is. It, it, there isn't a candidate on the Democratic ticket that can beat him. There just isn't a candidate that can beat him. And is he not right? I mean, is Trump not right about Joe Biden? I, I saw this story yesterday, and, and I'm dumbfounded by it. You know, now you've got Biden's handlers who are telling the media, who are telling you they are going to pull back on Biden's appearances so that he has less gaffes. Think about that. Think about that for just one second. They're, they're, they're going to take him out of the public eye. They're not going to let him campaign as much. What does that remind you of? Hillary Clinton. They didn't let Hillary Clinton campaign, or she couldn't, because of her health, and Trump destroyed her. I mean, this is game over. Um, I follow Cat Turd over on Twitter, and he's so funny. But, you know, it, it, watching what he says, he's absolutely right. Trump won the election. I mean, Trump won, with speeches like this, Trump wins every time. We can't make it more difficult for law-abiding citizens to be able to protect themselves. Red flag laws? Now, rumor has it President Trump's been talking to Don Jr., who is supposedly his expert on guns. And I'm telling you, what did I say before? You know, we, we're not going to see the House and the Senate come back into session until September, so we've got about another couple weeks. But there isn't going to be any red flag laws. So if you didn't get to see that, I just wanted to go over that a little bit. I mean, Trump is, is spot on. 
I mean, he's right on top of it with everything he said. Space, the the race, the economy, the the recession, all that crap. We're going to get to that in a little bit here in this hour as I cover everything on this hodgepodge Friday. Hey, head over to Twitter at Real Matlock is where you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Parlor. I'm going to tell you, Twitter is shadow banning me. They have to be. I, I've been putting out my podcast downloads and I'm literally only getting four, five retweets on those. So if you could do me a huge favor, head over to Twitter at Real Matt Locke and retweet those downloads of those podcasts because I'm putting them up on Twitter. I'm putting them up on Facebook, the Cartel Matt, the Matt Locke Show. Uh, they're up on the, the website, thematlockshow.com, L-O-C-K-E. But help me out and go go retweet those because I am getting shadow banned. And a uh, little programming note on Monday, I'm going to welcome to the program Zach Brown from Scars and Stripes Coffee. I'll put that up on media today. I'll put it up on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, all places where you can find that. Zach is the director of Scars and Stripes Coffee. He's going to join me on Monday. He's going to tell you all about the mission that ScarsAndStripesCoffee.com does. Because I'll tell you real quick here as we move on to the next subject. Scars and Stripes is a mission for veterans. They've started a coffee company that gives these veterans who are coming back from deployment, who are coming out of the military, a mission. They're, they're, they're giving them a purpose to live, a, 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 a project to get done. So these veterans get to set up their own e-commerce platforms and sell you fantastic coffee. And in the progress, in the process of doing all that, they get paid. They get to own their own business, and, and a lot of them do very well because the commissions are very good. And so if you want to help out a veteran, head over to scarsandstripescoffee.com. Do it now. See if you've got a representative in your area. I'm going to have Zach Brown, the director of Scars and Stripes Coffee, on the Monday program. We're going to talk all things Scars and Stripes Coffee. Head over to scarsandstripescoffee.com. You can go to thematlockshow.com. There's a link there for Scars and Stripes. Whatever way you do, go over and check them out, scarsandstripescoffee.com. All right, let's get into some stuff here today, okay? So Epstein, interesting news has come out here over the past couple days that I want to I want to discuss here in 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 short length because I want to hit on a lot of things today. Um, it says, "Was Jeffrey Epstein's death a suicide or a homicide?" Now, if you think Jeffrey Epstein killed himself, <laughs> you are not paying attention. Now they say, "Oh, he wrapped the bed sheet around his neck and he leaned forward and he just slowly died. He didn't need it to hang himself from the ceiling. He 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 hung himself from the bed. Blah 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 blah." So Jeffrey Epstein's death was a homicide rather than a suicide, following a full autopsy of Epstein's body that reportedly found broken bones in his neck. The hyoid bone, hyoid bone, h h y o i d, hyoid bone. I'm not a I'm not a doctor. I think it's hyoid. The hyoid bone in the neck being fractured and other fractures in the neck make it more likely, and again, this is a percentage call, more likely that it was a homicide rather than a suicide, Dr. Mark Siegel told America's Newsroom. Siegel said he is still waiting for more information about rendering a final opinion, but expressed suspicion and skepticism about the details surrounding Epstein's death. He says, quote, it can either be a suicide or a homicide. He says, I'm now more suspicious than ever that this could be a homicide. If someone is attacked, you see signs of the attack on the body. This hasn't been released yet. I'm waiting to see that. You notice the information has come real slow. If you look at it, I mean, think about it. What do we know about Epstein's death? All we know is he hung himself in his cell, right? Now we're starting to find out that there's some broken bones in the neck. We haven't seen the body. Why is that? He's been dead for almost a week. You know, the medical examiner, the ME, should be able to go in there and say, you know what? And I, I talked about this on Monday on the program, and I said, you know, if he committed suicide, it'd be very easy to determine, right? I mean, asphyxiation. He, he stopped breathing. He, he hung himself. He, he, that's what he did. He cut off the oxygen to his brain, to his body, and he died. Right? Should be, if you're a medical examiner, which I'm not, that should be a very easy determination to be able to come in there and say, okay. And, and look, I want him to be thorough. 
let, let, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I want the medical examiner to be thorough. But in the end, now he's saying, okay, there's some bones broken in the neck. I'm still waiting to see if there are any signs of attack to the body. If there's bruising to the body, then what? Now, the really weird thing about all of this, I don't know if you saw this the other day, some unknown associate came and claimed Epstein's body. Now, once again, I don't know if Epstein has any family. I don't believe he has any kids. Guy was a sick pig, pedophile. We know that. He liked little girls. He arranged it for powerful men all around the world. Who came and claimed his body? An unnamed associate. Um, didn't they have to sign something? How would you just turn over his body? How would you turn over Jeffrey Epstein's body to anyone? When you know right now, we don't even know what the autopsy says. We don't even know if it comes back if the guy was in a struggle. We don't know, but you've turned the body over to some unnamed associate? What in the hell is going on here? Oh, my God, this stuff. I mean, you, you think about the two different systems of justice we are watching currently as more than likely Epstein was murdered. Who's the unnamed associate? You know, now we're waiting to see the ME's report because we don't know if there's any signs of attack on the body. Siegel also addressed the lack of judgment allegedly displayed by prison doctors and officials after they deemed Epstein to be in good mental health, just six days after he'd been placed on suicide watch. Quote, six days on a suicide watch, prison officials reportedly removed it. Prison officials guided by who? What self-respecting psychiatrist would say, okay, he's no longer suicidal. There was evidence on July 23rd that he may have done something to his neck or someone did. Suddenly, six days later, he waves his hand, says he's fine, and he's put in an area where ultimately he's unobserved because, as you know, people fall asleep and they falsify records reportedly, and we know about that. They're falsifying records. The guards fell asleep. An unknown associate came and claimed the body. Now we got broken bones in the neck. Holy cow. It's unbelievable. It's almost unthinkable. It's almost unimaginable. But in today's world, in today's politics, is it? Is it really unbelievable? Is it really past the point of all questionable? Now, I've got an article here to expound on this deal. Jeffrey Epstein's former bodyguard. Quote, somebody helped him kill himself. Quote, somebody helped him do, <coughs> excuse me, someone helped him do that. Zinoviev told the intelligencer. However, he declined to elaborate on his suspicions, stating, listen, you know, that's going to be a little too deep. Now, Zinoviev said he lived at Epstein's Palm Beach home for six years, but added that he did not care about his boss's former alleged suicide. He says, quote, I'm not sad. He says, I mean, I didn't have anything against him, like a bad thing, you know. I don't care about his life completely. I don't give a, let's say, like crap about how he died, how he lived, or how he managed, he concluded. But on Thursday, an autopsy revealed that Epstein had several broken bones in his neck, a discovery that raised additional questions regarding his death. Now, the Washington Post reported late Wednesday that among Epstein's broken bones was his hyoid, a horseshoe-shaped bone situated near the Adam's apple in men. Forensic experts told the Post that hyoid breaks are plausible in hanging cases, yet are more common in homicide victims who are strangled to death. On Tuesday, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio said although he's not a conspiracy theorist, he believes Epstein's death was way too convenient. He says, quote, this makes no sense. He's one of the prominent prisoners in America at that point. He had either attempted suicide previously or been assaulted. Either way, it is the same reality. He needed to be watched 24 hours a day. It's one of the premier federal facilities in the country. It belongs to the Justice Department. Come on, how on earth do you miss this? You don't. See, and that's the whole thing. And, of course, the left's going to go back and say, well, it was federally run, which it was. Now, and, and what we know is that El Chapo, Guzman, was in there. He was in there for over two years. He was never touched. So can someone explain to me how the most sensitive prisoner in the world, well, yeah, in the world, is murdered within a month, and El Chapo makes it two years? I had to take a drink of my coffee there, sorry. Um, crazy. 
Now, beyond bizarre, as I finish up on Epstein here this Friday, have <laughs> I was texting last night, and I grabbed a screenshot of this painting of Bill Clinton. Now, you all know what I'm talking about. Uh, and if you don't, let me explain it to you. Bill Clinton is sitting in a wingback chair. It looks like in the Oval Office. He's got his legs draped over the left arm. He's got red high heels on, and he's wearing a blue dress. <laughs> and somehow, this bizarre painting ends up in Jeffrey Epstein's townhouse. You, you can't make this kind of stuff up. And Bill's sitting there in his chair. He's got his legs draped over the left arm. He's got red high heels on, and he's pointing at would be the photographer you would think it's not a it's not a picture it, it's it's a portrait it is painted but he's pointing like he'd be pointing at someone taking the picture right well this this painting is found in Jeffrey Epstein's townhouse now I texted Prather last night Chad Prather political cowboy Chad Prather watchchad.com and I said to him what in the holy hell? And then he used some other explicatives too. He says, yeah, laughing out loud, laughing out loud, right? I said, do you believe that this is authentic? Because it's been picked up by the New York Post. It's been picked up by the Daily Wire. It's been picked up by the Washington Examiner. But they all go back quoting the New York Post. So I'm like, do you believe that this painting exists? He's like, yeah, I do. I'm like, do you think Bill Clinton knows about it? And he says, yeah, I think he does. And I think he does too. Rush Limbaugh was talking about this yesterday. I was at the gym working out, and I was listening to Rush as I was on the elliptical, and he was talking about this. And, and what Rush said makes a lot of sense. This is a big FU to all of the Clinton detractors out there. He's in the blue dress. Is it Monica's blue dress? Don't know. But he's in the blue dress. He's sitting in the chair, and he's pointing. He's got a big smile on his face. And we all know the red high heels, what they're symbolic of. Pedophilia. You know, we know that one William Jefferson Clinton and Hillary Clinton were on the Lolita Express private plane of Jeffrey Epstein. We know that Bill Clinton was visiting Orgy Island. We know that Jeffrey Epstein was throwing private parties for Bill Clinton. We know this. This isn't rumor. This is fact. We, we know it. Ha we, we've got firsthand information on it. We know that. But in this bizarre deal... <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein had an oil painting of Bill Clinton in a blue dress lounging on a chair in the Oval Office, hanging up in his Manhattan townhouse, according to law enforcement sources. Quote, it was hanging up there prominently as soon as you walked in in a room to the right, a source told the Post. Everybody who saw it laughed and smirked. But the bizarre home decor didn't stop there. Epstein 66 also kept a mannequin hanging from the ceiling, dressed up in a wedding gown, the source said, noting how the doll was situated above a staircase. A woman who visited Epstein's $56 million home confirmed the existence of the Clinton painting to the Daily Mail, but didn't mention the mannequin. She was able to snap a picture of the painting, which was posted online Wednesday. In it, the former president can be seen lounging on a chair in the Oval Office, pointing toward the viewer while wearing red heels and a blue dress similar to the one Monica Lewinsky famously donned during their White House hookup or their affair. A piece dubbed Parsing Bill was painted and sold by a New York-based artist named Petrina Ryan Clyde. An online art gallery described it as an oil on canvas with dimensions of 40 inches wide, 40 inches tall, and 2 inches deep. The painting inside Epstein's home appears to be the same size, and sources told the Post it's also done with oil. So it's the painting. We know this is the painting, right? We, we, we know what's going on here. Now, like I said, Rush talked about this yesterday. This is a big F you. Bill Clinton knows about this painting. He doesn't give a crap because they believe, the Clintons believe they are above the law. They believe that they can get away with whatever they want because they're insulated. This is the Clintons and the Epsteins. I mean, this is one of those things where, you know, look at us. Look at us. Look at what we're doing. No one can touch us. Now, it's weird, but I'll give you the backstory to this painting because it's out today. 
it's out today. Bill Clinton painting in Jeffrey Epstein's home, a surprise to the woman who painted it. Among those confounded by the revelation this week that accused sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein had owned and prominently displayed a freakish painting of former President Bill Clinton is the artist herself. The odd oil painting, which shows Clinton outfitted in a blue dress similar to the one infamously worn by Monica Lewinsky and suggestively curled up on an oval office chair while looking and pointing at the piece's viewer is just the latest bizarre twist to emerge from the Epstein scandal in the wake of the 66-year-old's apparent suicide while in federal custody on Saturday. It turns out the painting, America's, Americans can never unsee, started life as a school project in 2012 as a grad student at the New York Academy of Art. And this is the, the artist talking. She says, I painted pictures of Presidents Bill Clinton and George W. Bush as part of my master's thesis. Artist Petrina Ryan Clyde told Fox News in a statement yesterday. When the school put on a fundraiser at the Tribeca Ball that year, they sold my painting to one of the attendees. I had no idea who the buyer was at the time. As with most of my paintings, I had completely lost track of this piece when it was sold several years ago. So it was a complete surprise to me to learn yesterday that it wound up in Epstein's home. Now, I want you to think about this for just one second as we dive into this story. Bill didn't have this painting commissioned. Epstein didn't have this painting done. What we all thought, you know, they're sickos, right? This woman who was in art class decided she was going to paint a picture of Bill Clinton in Monica Lewinsky's blue dress with red shoes. Now, was she thinking about the origins of the red shoes? Was she trying to make a statement with the blue dress? She's an artist, more than likely, yes. But the really, really kinky, fetish deal here is that Epstein liked it enough that he bought it. And you know, I'm sorry, but you know that Bill Clinton knew Epstein had it. Come on. You don't think that Bill Clinton hasn't been to Epstein's house? You don't think that Epstein and Clinton didn't talk and, and, and Jeff said, hey, hey, Bill, Bill, this, this chick, this chick at this, at this college, her master's thesis, I bought this painting, you got to see it. Will, 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 Jeffrey, let me get on over there. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me take a look at it. You know they probably laughed about it. That's a terrible Bill Clinton, but it's all right. I try my best on a Friday. So the painting, it's called Parsing Bill, that hung in Epstein's townhouse in Manhattan is only the most recent eyebrow-raising detail to emerge regarding the Clinton-Epstein connection. Questions about the extent of their friendship and what the ex-president and the convicted pedophile did during their time together have long dogged both men. Though Clinton had admitted to flying on Epstein's private plane on four trips related to work for the Clinton Foundation, flight logs indicate two other trips and a total of 27, on which Clinton was a passenger. Now, a representative for Clinton has staunchly denied the former president had any knowledge of Epstein's illicit activities. Yeah, right. And insisted the pair's encounters all took place several years before Epstein entered into a controversial plea deal on 2007 charges he sexually assaulted a minor in Florida. Now, according to the New York Post, which first, re first reported on the existence of this painting, Epstein, who was arrested in July on charges of operating sex trafficking ring involving minors, had a wealth of weird art pieces in his New York abode, including one item described as a mannequin hanging from the ceiling in a wedding dress. His other luxury properties were also known to brim with the likes of nude paintings and human-sized chessboards. The guy was crazy. I mean, I want you to think about this for a second before we move on. Epstein was not right in the head. Probably had an ego the size of Manhattan. The guy thought he was going to get away with it. He was wealthy. He was used to trafficking in young girls. He was used to being around very wealthy, very influential people. And he was eccentric and probably a little bit weird and probably not quite right in his head. And here you have a painting, an oil canvas, of Clinton in the Monica Lewinsky blue dress and the red shoes, and Epstein got off on it. I mean, let's just call it what it is. These people don't think the way you and I think. It's crazy. It's nasty. Now, you know, it, there's been no comments from the Clinton camp 
on this painting. You, you, you know they know about it. I mean, you, you know. It says the Clinton camp did not immediately respond to requests for comment. You know they know about it. It'll be interesting to see what they say. All right, guys, moving on. We're going to talk about the recession, but take just a moment here. Head over to CombatFlipFlops.com. I ordered my no-rise flop raiders a couple days ago. I'm so excited to get them. I love their flip-flops. I'll tell you, best pair of flip-flops I've ever bought. I've got the Coyote flop raiders. They're amazing. I mean, they are plush, cushiony. They feel great on my feet. I wear flip-flops 95% of the time. It's hot down here in Texas, 100 plus. I like being in shorts. I'm always in a pair of golf shorts and flip-flops. More usually a t-shirt, sometimes a polo shirt, but I love my combat flip-flops. I really do. They're a great company, Lee and Griff. I know them well. They're good friends of the Matlock Show. But if you head over to combatflipflops.com right now, you can order your flip-flops. You can order your merchandise. You can order your shemogs. You can order your shoes. You can order your jewelry. They got more than just flip-flops over there. But if you use LOCK25, that's L-O-C-K-E, you will get 25% off your purchase today. Head over to combatflipflops.com. Use lock25. Save 25% now. Can't wait to get my Zero Rise Flop Orators. They should be here in the next day or two. Head over to combatflipflops.com. Use lock25. Save 25% today. All right, guys, changing gears here. So, yesterday on the podcast, I talked all about this recession that we're supposed to be in, right? The left, the Democratic Party, is begging, they're hoping, they're praying for a recession. They need it. The only way they can beat Donald Trump is if the economy crashes. That's why you heard in Trump's you know, speech last night, he's like, look, guys, you have to vote for me. You don't have a choice. You know, if you want your 401ks to keep going, have you seen the, what's happened with the stock market since November 9th? It's went up, and he's absolutely 100% right. The stock market has done nothing but climb since he became president of the United States. Uh, let's see. What is the Dow Jones today? I'm looking it up right now. It's up 275 points today at 25,852. It was at a high of 27,000. So now it's almost 26. It's 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 done some corrections, but once again, back up 275 points today. And, and, and Trump's right, guys. I mean, if you want this economy to keep moving in the in in the in the way that it's moving, in the direction that it's moving, you have no choice but to reelect him, right? So yesterday. You know, we had all of these stories out. Dow dips 800. Oh, the global economy. Oh, we're going into recession. Oh, the inverted curve. The inverted invertices of the vertici, of the vertice, of the whatever, of the yield curves tells us that there's going to be a recession, you know, two months before the election. You know, it's kind of weird, but that's, that's what they want. That's what they hope. They should just say it, right? Well, we need a recession about two months before 2020 so we can come in on our white horses. Is that, is that racist? Come in on our black horses, or can you come in on the, whatever, your non-colored horse, and save the day? So U.S. economy, get this article, found it yesterday. U.S. economy upgraded one day after yield curve panic. Huh? It says life moves pretty fast, and so does economic and financial news. Just one day, just one day after the yield curve inverted. And every time I hear inverted, I think of Top Gun. Well, I was in. Inverted. Uh, bullshit. <laughs> no, I got a great Polaroid. Three feet. It was inverted. I was inverted. And I'm doing the I'm doing the 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 hand gestures that Goose did. But it says just one day after the yield curve inverted, stock stoking fears that the US economy could be approaching a recession, a huge batch of economic data sent economists scrambling to raise their forecasts for US growth. Isn't that amazing? Once again, I say this all the time. These economists, I'm using air quotes for those of you who can't see the show because it's just a podcast. These economists whose only job is to study the indicators of the market, who look at all of the numbers, who look at, you know, economic production, they look at, you know, outlook, they look at consumer spending, all that stuff. Well, now it's an economist scrambling. Why would it have sent economists scrambling? Did they not realize it was coming? Your only job, your only job is to pay attention to the market, to the indicators in the market. It's amazing. 
but it says the good data included better than expected retail sales, stronger than expected survey results in the manufacturing sector from the New York and the Philadelphia Federal Reserve Banks, and better than expected productivity gains in industrial production numbers, all up. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing to watch these idiots who call themselves experts sit here and fuddle around and muddle around and do this stuff and not have a clue what the hell they're doing. These people are the experts. They're supposed to know what goes on with the economy. The Atlanta Fed, the Atlanta Feds, GDPN or GDP now moved its reading of third quarter GDP, gross domestic product, from 1.9% growth to 2.2. The CNBC rapid update, a survey, survey of economists, moved up from 1.9 to 2.1. Several other economists also announced that they were upgrading their views of the economy based on the strong data, particularly the strength of the U.S. consumer. That's what, you know, that's what drives me nuts about the left. They don't care. They want to they beat you down. They need you to be subservient. They need you to be dependent upon them. And then you come through with flying colors like this, and it pisses them off. They don't like it. They don't like the fact the economy's doing well. Bill Maher's out there, well, I hope the economy crashes. I'm sorry if that offends anybody, but I really hope the economy crashes because that's the only way we're going to beat Donald Trump. Because, see, they don't care about you. Hell, they don't care about America. They care about their power. And then these, this was, I had a conversation one time, good friend of mine, when we were over on the blaze. And I said, you know, I would like to, to get more appearances myself. I would like to promote the conservative cartel at the time. I would like to get out there on television. I would like to do some hits. You know, I think I'd be a, a pretty good guest. I'm knowledgeable. I can speak clearly, concisely. I want to try to promote our show by getting some appearances on some of these shows, right? And you know what he says to me? He says, what are you an expert in? I said, huh? He says, what are you an expert in? I said, well, I'm, I'm really not an expert in anything other than talking, other than, you know, entertaining. I said, I know a little bit about the economy. I know a little bit about politics. I know a little bit about human nature. I know a little bit about entertaining. I know a little bit about geopolitical. I know a little bit about banking. I know a little bit about financing. I know a little bit about the Dow. I know a little bit about working. I know a lot about being a blue collar worker. I mean, I know a lot about, I know a little about a lot of things, right? I, I read a lot. I'm well versed. I mean, I, I know a little about a lot of things. I said, but I'm not an expert in anything. He says, well, you'll never get on a TV show. And I'm like, why? He's like, you got to be an expert in something. I'm thinking to myself, what is Jessica Tarloff an expert in other than idiocy? I mean, I watched that lady talk, and I'm like, what, it, what is she an expert in? Anything? I'm watching Fox News this morning. I'm watching Juan Williams. What is Juan Williams an expert in? Race baiting? I mean, the guy is a moron. What is Katie Pavlage an expert in? See what I'm saying here? You got these economists. They're supposed to be, they're supposed to be the experts. They're supposed to be the one that look at the market indicators and say, okay, from these, from this data set, I can determine that three things will happen: X, Y, and Z. But we always see these stories. It's amazing to me. We always see these stories where it says, well, this economic data sent economists scrambling. Huh? They, it fooled. Oh, they were surprised. Oh, well, they were stunned. What do you mean you were stunned? What do you mean you were scrambling? What do you mean you were surprised? Your only job is to read the market. Now we know that the particular the consumers are two-thirds of the GDP. And it says the U.S. consumer cannot rescue the world, but it can insulate the U.S. economy from the world problems. America first. Hello, Donald Trump. Hello, Donald Trump and America first. 
It's amazing that these knuckleheads don't see this. They don't see this at all. Now, I'm going to change gears here because this goes right to here. I've got a story. I'm going to reverse them. But uh, we're sitting here watching the left. They need the economy to collapse. And now we've got a story out today. Only nine Democrat candidates are qualified for the next debate. Oh, that's so sad. There's like 30,000 of them. But only nine are going to make it. Oh, we, we should have a moment. Um, if I had, I wonder if I've got a violin playing here. Uh, how about this? Yeah, that'll work. There, there went the Democrats right down the shitter. <laughs> That's an even better sounder than what I was looking for because I'm, I was looking for a violin, but uh, I, I, I don't have that. Anyway, only nine Democrat candidates are qualified for upcoming debate. To qualify, each candidate much re must reach 130,000 unique donations and also must register at least 2% support in four qualifying polls. The 538 website, that's Nate Silver over there, published its findings on who has already qualified, who is close, and a number of candidates who may no longer have any hope. According to its tally, the nine candidates who have secured a spot on the debate stage on September 12th and the 13th in Houston. Well, if there's only nine, they should only have one day, right? Are Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker, Francis O'Rourke, Amy Klobuchar, and Andrew Yang. You know, this is the whole thing. They should weed these folks out. I mean, there are right now, um, Hickenlooper fell out of the race. I, I, was he in it? You know, we were having a good time with him on Twitter yesterday. Hickenlooper was at zero. So everybody was like, well, now Hick Hickenlooper's people can now go follow Francis. And 0% and can be 0%, right? So Hickenlooper's out. So that puts us down to what, 23? We haven't heard a thing from Tom Steyer. I uh, don't know anything about him. We're not hearing anything from Bullock in Minnesota. I mean anything from no Tim Ryan out of Ohio who was going to march down to Kentucky to, you know, Mitch McConnell's house in, in, in demand more gun control. But according to this tally, you've got sleepy Joe, you got Buddha gay, you got Kamala Harris, you got Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker, Francis O'Rourke, Amy Klobuchar and Andrew Yang, Tom Steyer's campaign. This is a quote. Tom Steyer's campaign announced Tuesday morning that it had hit the 130,000 donor mark, the website reported. He now needs just one qualifying poll to make the third debate. Julian Castro, who doxed all of the Trump supporters down there in San Antonio, is also close. He just needs a 2% ranking and one more poll, 538 reported. Now, New Age Guru. <laughs> and author Marianne Williamson and Washington Gover Governor Jay Inslee have both reportedly surpassed the 100,000 donor mark but need 30,000 more donors to qualify the for the debate, and neither has hit the 2% in any of the proof polls. For the rest of the candidates, it may be the end of the trail because they don't have the donors or the poll rankings necessary, including Kirsten Gildebrand, Michael Bennett, Steve Bullock, Bill de Blasio, John Delaney, Seth Moulton, Tim Ryan, Hickenlooper, who pulled out, ding, ding, and Joe Sestak. The Democratic National Committee could decide, however, to make it easier to qualify for the fourth debate that will take place sometime in October, according to 538. Now think about that. You've got rules. You've got standards. You have these goals that you have to hit, right? Oh, well, we can't get enough, so we'll make it easier. Isn't that the Democrat way? Let's just change stuff up. Let's just make sure it's easier so we can get enough people in there. I mean, aren't, aren't nine candidates enough for the third round of debates? I mean, hell, we're already in September. We're going to be coming to Iowa in January. Do you want 20 people still on? I mean, because... These people, they, they don't make the debates. Doesn't mean they don't keep, you know, campaigning. Doesn't mean they stop running. Just means they can't be on the debate stage. Who needs to hear them anyway? They're all saying the same thing. It's so amazing in all of this, but the Democratic National Committee, they're deciding whether they should make it easier 
to qualify for the fourth debate. It says, but failing to make the third debate isn't necessarily all she wrote for some of the lower tier candidates, according to an email sent by the DNC, Democrat National Committee, to the campaigns earlier this month, polls that count toward qualification for the third debate will also count for the fourth debate in October. In theory, that means a candidate who came up short of making the third debate might be able to pick up enough qualifying surveys and donors to make the fourth debate. However, failing to make the third debate might sing signal to potential supporters and prospective contributors that a candidate isn't worth backing, thus making it harder to get the polls and donors necessary to qualify. Now, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. After this third debate, you're going to have the Hickenloopers, the Inslees, the Bullocks, the, the Ryans, the, 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 the de Blasios. They're going, to, they're going to fall out. I mean, they're pulling at zero. They're pulling at less than yawn. It, it, it's crazy. And eventually they're going to say, you know what? I'm just going to go back to what I was doing. And, and once these candidates start falling out, you're going to see these lower tier candidates start picking up some percentages because right now you're divided among what? 24 candidates? It's, it's just, it's an impossibility for most of them. Unless you have name recognition or unless you're bringing in big dollars, you're screwed. But old Francis, Francis is not screwed. I want to take you to Texas because, you know, the El Paso, Texas shooting happened. And Francis, you know, put his campaign on hiatus. He took a siesta. See, I can speak Spanish too. Francis, but O'Rourke reboots campaign again. No more corn dogs and Ferris wheels. Former Congressman Francis O'Rourke rebranded his presidential campaign on Thursday, promising to avoid frivolous activities like the Iowa State Fair and focus on serious existential threats to the United States like Donald Trump's administration and firearms ownership alongside illegal immigrant communities. He is going to go after the tough stuff. Quote, I'm confident that if at this moment we do not wake to this threat, then we as a country will die in our sleep, he said in a speech in El Paso, Texas, announcing his return to the 2020 presidential race. The speech marks O'Rourke's second campaign reboot after a reintroduction in the words of his staff in May after the initial buzz from his campaign announcement died down. Um, it's funny because this guy, he was... You know, Rourke was a media darling. When he was running against Cruz, he got a lot of backing because the left hates Cruz. And, and, and I said this the other day, and I'll say it again. The left and socialism, progressivism, statism, communism, whatever adjective you want to use, it needs a boogeyman. It needs the evil greeny 1%. It needs someone to be mad at. It needs someone to run against. Well, at the time, this is just like Bernie Sanders. O'Rourke was the perfect instrument for Hollywood and the liberal elites to get behind because they thought that they could knock off a Ted Cruz. So now, enter O'Rourke into the presidential fray, and people are looking at it saying, nah, we got other choices. You know, at the right, you know, O'Rourke was at the right place in the right time, running against the right candidate to put our money behind. We wanted to knock off Ted Cruz. It was never about Francis, really. If you really look at the situation, it was never about O'Rourke, never. It was always about how do we get Ted Cruz out of Texas. And now that O'Rourke is running for president, it's like, eh, yeah, yeah, he's he's vanilla. He's weird. I mean, if you really look at him, first of all, you know, Chris Salcedo down here on BAP in, in Dallas-Fort Worth made great points. I don't know if you listen to Chris or not. But he talked about how, you know, Francis, you, when he's in El Paso, he uses the name Beto, you know, because he gave that nickname to himself, right? He, he says it came from his family and whatnot. But, you know, he goes by Beto down here in Texas and in El Paso. When he went off to school, all of a sudden it was Robert. Went off to college, Harvard, got educated. You know, he's with his white pals, you know, all that stuff. Now it's Robert. As soon as he came back to Texas, Beto. The guy's a fake. The guy is a great big fake. But doesn't that describe half of the Democrat Party? Or maybe all of it? I mean, the Democrat Party has zero platform. They have zero. It, they, what are they proposing? What, what does the left want to do for you? But, you know, O'Rourke says no more corn dogs and Ferris wheels. Now, 
O'Rourke abandoned the campaign trail for several days after the mass shooting at a Walmart in his home city of El Paso and even skipped events in Iowa to visit Mexico. So he skipped the Iowa State Fair to go to Mexico, who, by the way, Mexicans, when you go, Mexico's a country, it's not the United States, it can't vote in our election. Why would you go to Mexico? During his speech, Francis scoffed at the corn dogs and the Ferris Wheels campaign optics at the Iowa State Fair and said he would campaign with immigrant communities instead. See, you don't do real well when you make fun of a state. The Iowa State Fair is a huge deal. The Texas State Fair down here in Texas is a huge deal. It, you, you, he done stepped in it again. You don't mess with with these states with these big deals like the the state fairs. But oh, oh, you know, I'm I'm going to you know I'm going to concentrate on immigrant communities. I'm going to go where the real problems are. He says, "quote I said no, I can't go back for that." But I also cannot go back to that. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? Listen to this. He says, I said, no, I can't go back for that. But I also cannot go back to that. He said, referring to the state where he is pulling at less than 1%. He's actually pulling at less than 1% in every state, not just that state. He promised to visit and comfort immigrants to help them survive their fear of Trump's actions and rhetoric. So what he's really saying is he is going to visit illegal aliens. He's going to comfort them and let them know that if he ever becomes president, not, they will be safe. He says, quote, to those places where Donald Trump has been terrorizing and terrifying and demeaning our fellow Americans, that's where you will find me in this campaign, he said. Now, Francis said his next campaign stop would be in Mississippi to be with the families of deported illegal immigrants after a recent immigration and customs enforcement raid of food processing plants in the state. So let me get this right. Francis is an ambulance chaser. That's what he's going to be. He's going to run around the country, and he's going to put his face on every tragedy of an illegal alien that happens in this country who happens to get deported or who is asked to leave the country. That's what Francis is going to do. He believes that that's what the Democrat Party, he believes that that's what the Democrat voters want him to do. Boy, I, I, somebody, well, no, don't tell him. Let, let's not tell him. Let, let's let him think that's the right thing to do. Because you know what he's doing with this campaign? Here's what he's doing with this campaign. <laughs> Flushing it right down the toilet. That's what he's doing with his campaign. Someone ought to tell. <laughs> Someone ought to tell his handlers, his people that do his commitments, his his speeches, whatever the hell it is that uh, he's doing it wrong. How about that? Hey, the Dow. You know, by the way, the Dow's up two hundred ninety-one points, heading toward twenty-six thousand. Uh, you know, once again. The Dow has bad days, has good days. It is what it is. All right, guys, I got about a minute left. Do me a big favor. You got to tune in on Monday because on Monday, I'm going to have Zach Brown, who is the director of Scars and Stripes Coffee, scarsandstripescoffee.com. He's going to be on the show Monday. You're going to want to tune in. You're going to download that podcast. Uh, like I've been telling you, I uh, do these podcasts sometime you know, during the day. Uh, normally, it's early afternoon, but uh, I'm releasing them or uploading them to Twitter, to Facebook to uh, Instagram, all that stuff. So if you are not seeing my post, please let me know. But I'm going to upload these podcasts every day at around 4 p.m. Eastern. So you can, that's when they're going to come out. Please share, share, share. Um, we need to get, the, we need to get the, the message out there. Need to get the message out there. I need your help. So find me over at Real Matt Lock on Twitter, Instagram, and Parlor. You can find me over on Facebook, the Cartel Matt and the Matlock Show. Um, I am now a Verve Forever Ambassador. I will get that link up on my website, thematlockshow.com. That's L-O-C-K-E. You can head over to thematlockshow.com. You can listen to the podcast there on the Spreaker link that is on the page. Lots of great things coming. Have some good news coming down the pipe here that I'm going to let you know hopefully sometime next week. Um, we're bringing Beer for Brunch Fridays back. I couldn't do it today. Chef Patrick was not available, and I can't sit here and just drink beer and try to talk at the same time. It's a two-man deal, so we are going to bring... Oh, that is not the right outro. Here we go. Let's try that one. There it is. Sorry, too many buttons to push. It's on my, it's on my iPad. 
it's been a Friday. See what happens on Friday? You push the wrong buttons. All right, guys. I hope everybody has a great, great weekend. Big news coming next week. I'll let you know. Hey, the Matlock Show hats. I've got them ready to go. They're going to be up on the website here, hopefully in the next seven to ten days. If you're looking for the Matlock Show hat, let me know. You can find me at Real Matlock on Twitter, Instagram, and Parlor. I hope everybody has a great weekend. But for Friday, the Matlock Show is out. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. The holidays are on at Old Navy, where all jeans, all pants, all sweaters, and all outerwear are on sale up to 50% off now. Jeans start at just 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. All the looks you love, even this season's must-have plaid styles, are on sale. Plus, get fashion in a flash. Buy online, pick up in-store for free today in just two hours. Hurry in for up to 50% off all jeans, pants, sweaters, and outerwear at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 11.4 to 11.13 excludes in-store clearance.